Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is the Mind Your Body podcast, episode number nine, how to become the CEO of your life. That doesn't sound hard. It's easy. Sounds like a simple Just be a boss. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. That's funny. Yeah, we always come up with... um, pretty grandiose topics to discuss, don't we? We do. Yeah. But it's it's part of what we do. It's part of yeah. what we enjoy talking about and it sounds grandiose, but it's actually a you know, a small shift that makes a big difference. And I guess maybe that's where the grandiose part comes in, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. No, I like I like that you said that because I do agree that this really is more of a mindset shift than a strategic shift. Yes, there are strategies that come with this, but we're really, you know, we, we've talked a lot in this podcast about kind of getting into the driver's seat of Mm. your life and health in particular. And this is just, you know, going a little deeper into that idea. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yep. We're going to lay out how you do that and also kind of try to help you understand where you're at in that process for yourself. We were talking about this before the show, how for both of us, we didn't quite realize when we were in survival mode that we were in survival mode. And when I say survival mode, I mean that you're just getting through every single day, just doing, you know, the same, basically the same process every single day, wanting different changes in your life and realizing that, you know, if you look back over a year, you haven't really made any changes, mm-hmm. not even like the little ones. And so yeah. um, I think that it's it's tough to kind of wake up to that at some point because it is a big reality check of, okay, I'm living my life and basically all these other things are kind of running it for me mm-hmm. instead of me being really in that driver's seat. But it's part of what we hope to do in this podcast is see if, you know, just to we're hoping you'll keep an open mind if you're in this mindset of, well, I don't really know what that means or what does that look like in my life or how do I know if I'm in survival mm-hmm. mode? We hope that we can kind of shed light into some of that yeah. and just kind of stick around for you yeah. know, the rest of the yeah. podcast. Have an open mind here for the next few minutes. Um, you know, this came up for me in some conversations with clients, but this has also been something I've been thinking about you know, really the last number of years, because I know I spent, you know, at least a decade really just in survival mode and putting everyone else's priorities first. 
address, you know, taking care of the tasks that are right in front of me, being busy all day long, but then getting to the end of the day and not having that sense of satisfaction. Like you said, that I'm moving my life towards something, anything, really anything, you know, it's like, well, my house is clean and, you know, I made cupcakes for the bake sale and my kids are happy, but yeah, I, there's got to be something out there. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, a lot of us are list makers mm-hmm. and we will, we like checking things off yes. those lists, right? Yep. But we will put things on that list like errands or household chores or kids activities and that kind of thing. And yes, you know, maybe we feel like those need to get done and that those need to be a priority. But again, are those going to lead you towards the life you want? Well, how do you even know, right? Um, and so the, unfortunately, those things just take up so much of our time that what are the activities that tend to get left until we quote unquote have time? All of the, like the ones that actually fuel us and give us more energy right, and right. usually are, are part of our goals and where we want to go right. in our life. So, I mean, the, the activities that actually generate energy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, working out, that literally creates energy in our yep. life. And that tends to be one that kind of takes the back burner for a lot of people. It's kind of in that self-care, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. So eating well, sleeping, these yep. are ones that tend to get left off. Um, activities that make our lives function better or more efficiently, such as meal prep or bulk cooking, journaling, you know, kind of streamlining our fin- finances, putting our groceries on auto ship. You know, some of these things take time mm-hmm. to put in place, but they'll save us so much more time later. You know, activities that light us up. Mm-hmm. These are ones Yes. Right. They're huge. I mean, you know, I know that I've talked with a few of, you know, my own clients and it's, it's been a novel thing for them to actually give time to the things they enjoy Mm -hmm. and how I was really surprised at that. Like, I think people think that they're more, you know, generous with themselves. Or like hedonistic in a sense where Mm. they're like, oh, of course I do things that I enjoy. Or like, you know, maybe they consider Netflix that, but I would consider that more of a, you aren't. Um, really producing anything, you're just consuming, and Maybe so numbing just a and numbing, bit yeah, yeah, numbing's a, yeah. a good way of putting that. And so when you're not getting creative and doing like, it's not that you're actually doing things that you really that really light you up though, because right. Netflix doesn't really light you up unless you're like <laughs> unless you're creating something that would be shown on Netflix. And this isn't to say Netflix is bad. I right. totally watch Netflix, sure. but if that's how you're spending a bulk of your time and you're finding that you're not giving yourself time to be creative and have joy and spend time with friends and family and do other mm-hmm. things where you're really doing more of the producing type of activities right. than just to kind of be honest right. with yourself about that. Absolutely. And so the analogy that you know we're thinking about, so when we say become the CEO of your own life, I would argue that so many of us are acting like employees that just show up put in their seat time, mm-hmm. just get through the day, get done, whatever's handed to them. They don't set the priorities, right? They're not setting the vision mm-hmm. for how this company is going. And if any of this resonates with you, I would argue that it is kind of time for us to give ourselves a promotion Yep. to 
and this is not a one and done. We're introducing this as a concept and we're going to give a broad overview of the process of how to start moving in this direction without yeah. overwhelming yourself or freaking yourself out. But there are some real tangible strategies to start crafting the life that we want versus just, you know, being drug along behind the wagon of our own life. Right. And I kind of, what I just thought about was actually this concept I learned back in sociology and it was called learned helplessness. Have you heard of that Absolutely. term? And so I wonder if like what we're doing is kind of teaching you learn powerfulness or learn like helpfulness to yourself. I don't know how you want to phrase that, but it is a um, polar opposite of that. But yeah, because learned helplessness is this concept where, you know, people, the example that I, I feel like I really resonated with is, you know, a person who feels like they're always going to try to make ends meet at the end of the month. If they have that mindset that that's the way the world is, like I'm just always going to be struggling for that. Even when they start to make a higher income, they will spend more Mm -hmm. to almost fulfill that belief that I'm still always going to (laughs) be trying to make ends meet and things will always be tight because that's kind of the learned helplessness. And we're trying to shift that. That's perfect. And the correlation that you and I were talking about before we started recording you know, the same is true. We can always argue for our limitations, right? We can always say, well, sure, I'd love to write that novel I've always wanted to write, or sure, I'd love to join a gym. But then we put those limitations on ourselves, right? The time, the money, the, you know, whatever it may be. This is how things have always been. And so, right. And what what you had said, you know, our past stories, you know, that are holding us back. And so, um, I think that it will be helpful to kind of go through how can we start unpacking this a little bit just to start building some awareness around areas of our life that maybe aren't as optimized as we would like, but we just honestly just haven't had the energy to even look at that. Mm -hmm. It just felt too daunting to even... Go there. Yes, to or even we even go haven't, there. Or we just haven't even thought about it because we've been so consumed with all the other things that right. we haven't given ourselves that right. five minutes to think it's about it. It's that difference between busy versus productive, mm-hmm. right? So, and we know that, you know, in our businesses yep. that we could be busy <laughs> all day long yeah. and not be really Moving. building anything, you know, meaningful. So, so you know... We we wanted to lay this out a little bit so that you could, you know, walk with us through this process. Don't get carried away with thinking, oh gosh, start arguing for, oh, well, I, that wouldn't work for me or I couldn't make that happen. Maybe just listen mm-hmm. and see if any of this, you know, might resonate at the end. Yeah. And what's, and we also want to introduce, okay, what's, something you can do if maybe you're not really in that space to tackle all those belief systems quite yet. Right. What's just an action you can take to start just like putting your intention into, I want to create some more power in my life. I want to create movement in a positive direction for myself. And so the first strategy that we are going to introduce to you is journaling, mm-hmm. which I know we were like done, done, done journaling, but journaling five to 10 minutes each day and just putting the intention in that journaling of, I'm going to just going to journal about the things I desire to feel, you know, the things I want to change in my life and just get it on paper. Mm-hmm. Let it be there. You don't have to like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be 
structured, but just get your thoughts out on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think for myself, I personally, I have found in the past journaling to be very daunting because I feel like I have to have a plan for this <laughs> journaling session. And I think it's really key to not do that to yourself, to kind of think of it as daydreaming. Mm-hmm. What is an area of my life that a year from now, you know, I might like to have achieved this or be working on this area of my life to have made some progress in this one area, what that might look like. And yeah. again, we, this is not a time to think, oh, but if I put this down on paper, then I have to start doing things. Right. No, this is not that. This is literally just starting to, that little crack in the door that, oh gosh, I forgot there was a, even another room in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to start just maybe creating a vision for an area of my life that I might like to be different yeah. and what that might look like. Yeah. Right. That's what journaling is because if you go into it with all of this pressure that it's about creating a to-do list, then you've pro- you're probably done before you've started. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. This is just about visioning. I like that word because mm-hmm. I think that it's visioning on paper, essentially. Right. And it's a way of holding yourself a little bit more accountable to it than just sitting there in your bed yeah. and trying to vision, um, which I think visioning itself has some use. Like if you're if you're starting to get clear about that vision and you're just wanting to kind of realistically put yourself in that and visualize that. But I think putting it on paper can help you, you know, come back to it at a later time and really make sense of things. Maybe build and on it. Build on or, it, yeah. Yeah, Versus, I like that. I know my memory, like, it's... Right. Yeah, it's because not the greatest. How many good ideas have we had that we <laughs> that didn't get down on yep. paper that mm-hmm. are, like, poof into the ether? Like, so, yeah. so, again, don't panic because there's a lot of anxiety that comes with putting, I think, when we start to journal, putting things down on paper, we feel like action has to immediately follow. But you just took action too, you know, that you just took action Good by point. thinking about it and letting yeah. your brain go there because your brain doesn't normally go there. And yeah. so it's, it's just making those small actions. I mean, that's one thing that you're like, okay. Yeah. I and make it so simple. Like Jenny said, five to 10 minutes a day mm-hmm. and literally set the timer and don't let yourself go beyond that because otherwise your brain will feel tricked. Yes. You know, I don't want to do this again tomorrow because I got sucked into 20 or 30. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I've been so there. So just, yeah, just I'm being... always having to work around my brain so I know how this goes. Being really intentional about it, not yeah. taking over all of your yeah. afternoon. I, or... I think that the biggest, like, goal killer is overwhelm. Mm-hmm. And so if we can be really careful to just make things so simple... Mm-hmm. And doable, almost too simple. Right. You know? Make it simple. Yeah. If you start to see yourself getting into overwhelm or mm-hmm. the drama, like just notice that and then just focus back on what, you know, the simple yeah. part of it. Right, right. So, so we f- definitely advocate picking just one area of your life. Like mm-hmm. you might have sort of thought, oh, should I vision about, you know, my health or a fitness goal or finances or career change or something. Okay. So the next step here is let's just pick one area to focus on at a time, because again, overwhelm is our, um, not our friends. So pick one area and we need to start making a very simple, Mm -hmm. simple plan. 
truthful, specific. And again, this doesn't even have to be your action steps, but this is still kind of in the daydreaming that, okay, well, if I did decide that I wanted to start working towards that goal a year from now, what would that entail? Like, Mm -hmm. I need to reverse engineer that and just kind of brainstorm. Mm -hmm. So pick, yeah, so pick one thing and make it realistic and yeah. then, I, and I think, you know, I'm drawing in that realistic part because I don't want someone who's, you know, never really run a race to be like, hey, I'm going to do a marathon in a year. Make it even more simple than that. Mm-hmm. Like keeping it simple to the, you know, yeah. we were talking about your example yeah. of a 5K and right. then breaking down like what you said, game planning. Okay. To get there, what would a person have to do? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes too, if we're getting into that overwhelm state, it might be helpful to just even think about it as like, what would any person like, have to I do, like right? Like, like, what would that. my neighbor have to do? Like, that's smart. You know, no, that I way like you're that. not getting too into the weeds of like it. Just your limiting beliefs in your, your head. Beliefs. But based on me not following through the last time I decided to run a 5K, right? Right. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. But but it can be as simple as oh, well, I need new running shoes and a reflective vest if I'm gonna you know go outside, and maybe I need to start eating you know, a healthier diet. And okay, well, that means I have to plan out when I'm going to cook those healthier foods and what days am I going to run? What days am I going to go to the gym and train? Who's going to watch the kids, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like we need to get strategic because if we're kind of at that too high level, Mm -hmm. then if we haven't really thought through, oh, well, then we're going to be able to have some pretty legit excuses when right. it comes to, you know, taking taking action on these things. Right. But I think that this process, so the the visioning and the journaling, that's all great. But I think our brain kind of goes to fear because we don't know what that would look like. And so mm-hmm. I think that getting a very simple, not a long list, is calming mm-hmm. for our brain because then we start to see. Oh, that's actually doable to start working towards because I've I've set a goal that is not so out of my reach. Like right. you said, we're not, you know, trying to go from couch to marathon. Right. Right? So I've set a realistic goal and now I'm going to, you know, reverse engineer that and lay out, "Oh, well gosh, this is why didn't I look at this sooner? This isn't that many steps." Yeah. Right. So how does a person do this? And then I love that you brought in the piece where it's like plan for those little, like the minor road bumps, like needing a babysitter for your kids and just like Mm -hmm. getting creative with all the obstacles Mm -hmm. that you think you might, you might have. Or that you might well, create. I didn't want to say create, but well, also that you might part create. Of it. Right? That's part of it. And so, I mean, along those lines, not only the minor road bumps, but you know, the next part that we'd really encourage you to think about is expecting those bigger roadblocks throughout the year and kind of game planning those and figuring out, okay, how am I going to stay in alignment with this goal? Even when really tough things happen in my life, like, you know, if I have to move or if there's a divorce or if a family member passes away. And obviously we're not, we're not hoping for these things to happen, but Mm -hmm. just to understand that, you know, even the good changes, even if you're moving into like a better house or you're getting a better job, those can be changes that can add stress to our lives and be the thing that kind of, you know, 
derails us when we're trying to achieve these goals mm-hmm. and to expect them, to right. expect that life is going to change and ebb and flow. Right. And I think, you know, just as impactful of a roadblock as those kind of, you know, obviously, I mean, I think, you know, just based on my own experience with a divorce, I can honestly say that that would have derailed me from a 5k. I will tell you that. But I think that, you know, what you had pointed out again in our conversation earlier, even more impactful is the limiting beliefs we have between our ears, right? These are the ones that are going to probably crop up pretty consistently if we're not getting in front of that. These are going to, you know, be those excuses, the self-sabotaging, that history of, well, I've never followed through on goals in the past, so why would I do it this time? So we just don't believe sometimes that we can do hard things, you know, in our life. We have this pattern of failing, and I know you and I have both had so many clients that have come to us and kind of been pre-defeated Right. Well, and our brain brain has this terrible... Um, habit of, of like correlating our past failures to right. future failure, right? Even exactly. though they're not correlated. If right. we've failed at something in the past, it doesn't mean that we're gonna not land on it the next time. Mm-hmm. And um, a metaphor that I was thinking about that I actually heard—I oh, can't remember his name because I want to give him credit—but he was saying that um, it's like when you when a missile is trying to hit a target, and like how it works is that usually it'll go into all the spaces that it's not at. First, and it's kind oh, of like collecting information and like, you know, those failures are actually part of its journey on its way to the target. Well, I and like so that. I think thinking of it in those terms, like those failures are part of your journey, mm-hmm. not the reason why you're going off your journey, but they're actually part of it. And so to think about another one is actually my Dr. Rathbun will say, you know, the, the straightest path isn't always a straight line. It, oh, totally. Sometimes it looks like a curve and like yeah. a whole like, you know. A squiggly line. I'm making this this Makes notion with my uh, it looks like a mess with my fingers. But yeah, yeah, to realize that that might be part of your journey, and that's totally okay. Like mm-hmm. as as long as you're still moving towards well, that. Goal. Absolutely, and I, you know, an example in my own life is, you know, there are a lot of mistakes that I've made in terms of like, you know, doing a ketogenic diet when I wasn't listening to my body and right. you know over exercising in certain times. But I wouldn't be the coach that I am if I hadn't made mistakes and they hadn't not only taught me a lot, you know, about tactics, but humbled me, mm-hmm. made me so much more empathetic mm-hmm. to things that can go wrong for other people. So I would not be the person that I am if I'd had this straight line, you know, success path. Right. You right. know, that's just I yeah, I think that's a beautiful so you'd be way more of thinking of it. More of a jerk, is that what you're saying? I don't know if that's possible, but yeah, <laughs> if I could be more of a jerk, to I'd take it into a less would. beautiful direction. But right. no, I think no, I, I think you have such a good point that you wouldn't have gained that growth if no, you hadn't had that journey. No, I absolutely wouldn't have. But but we do. We I mean, I definitely see that in myself, and yeah. I see that with clients that we think that our past predicts our future. Right. Yes, we can describe a way that we have behaved in the past, but we can also be very clear that this is something I'm working on, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're not blowing smoke. We're being realistic that that is, has been something that I've been challenged by, mm-hmm. but that does not 
you know, predict that that's the way I'll always be unless I choose that it is. And, you know, I, I, I do encourage my clients to reframe things when I will lay out an idea and they'll say, well, that's, that's just who I am. Mm. Well, that's part of the learned helplessness. It is if you decide it is, and that's the thing, but I don't even think people are aware that they're deciding it, that they're deciding it and literally Mm. giving instructions to their brain. Yes. That, you know, just as a tangible example, I always cave to the vending machine in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. You're right. You do because you just made it true. Yes. Right? But the reality is, like you said, you get, you are empowered every moment you get to decide. You are the arbiter of your fate. Yep. Right? Yep. But again, this is exactly the topic of this conversation Becoming the CEO, not only of our own life, but the CEO of our every moment. That we are not a victim to our cravings, to our, you know, past shame about our behavior. Yeah. To maybe what other people have told us about ourselves. Right. Like those, that mm, story. That's so powerful. Right. Yeah. That we've created. We have, I mean, our narrative is running in the background like a sometimes a faulty software program. Mm-hmm. And all we're focused on over here is the strategies. Right. And we're not aware that it's that background, those subconscious beliefs that are driving our choices. That are the CEOs and our behaviors. of our life. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, as Jenny very rightfully pointed out before we started that that will warrant a whole podcast. Yes, we could. I mean, I was like, how are we not? I, that, that was one of mm-hmm. the things that we were thinking about as we talked about this is we want to talk about all these parts of it because they're so important, but we'll probably cover some of the subconscious roadblocks in a deeper way um, and future podcasts. And also I just want to refer back to podcast episode number two, because we do talk about some of them in that mm-hmm. episode as well. And there's right. a lot of really good mindset knowledge in that yes. one. So to put yes. a plug out yeah, there for be, that one, but for sure. yeah. do, do go back and listen to that because it's, this is how we start to get clear. Why do I do what I do? That's mm-hmm. really important. How yeah. am I holding myself back without even knowing it? Right. Right? Right. And in, in changing that mindset, like you said, from thinking the world is happening to me, that yes. I happen to the world. Like yes. I am in charge and I like choose things. And and even our language around things, like, yeah. you know, instead of saying, oh, I don't have time, saying I choose to not do that with my time. I love that. You know, just shifting that language even it matters. is, is it part matters. of it. Yeah. it and I, I catch myself all the time. I mean, it's so easy. Our brains sound like they know what they're talking about. And I think that we <laughs> need to... Time is elusive and it's gone and it's... Yes. But I, you know, it's funny because me, I, sometimes I feel like we need to listen a lot less to our brain and be talking to our brain mm. because our brain just kind of wants to follow our old patterns of behaviors and belief. And it's, it's easier and more comfortable for our brain to say, ah, I always eat this after dinner. If I go to the Mexican, Mexican restaurant, I always end up eating the whole basket of chips. Right. Right. Well, that sort of sounds logical then, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds inevitable. It does. That, well, I don't have any control. You've convinced me. <laughs> right. It's just funny. It's just interesting. But it's the and power of language, right? It and is. And it's, ourselves. you know, just kind of creating that little bit of sunlight in there and saying, just like you said earlier, 
that's when we, it's the questions that we ask ourselves that are so imperative and answering them, but saying, is that true? (laughs) Like, do I have to eat the whole basket of chips? Is that inevitable? Is that really the only option? Is that my only option? Mm -hmm. And if I don't eat the basket of chips, is that little frisson of anxiety so overpowering that I can't handle it? Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe I could have you know, some delicious guacamole and some chicken instead, right? Mm -hmm. And a few chips. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a middle path? Is it either I don't get anything that's good or I, you know, I get all the goodies and have fun? Mm -hmm. Is there not like 72 different, like, (laughs) you know, things that are in the middle there, right? right? Right. And, and being willing to kind of question those black and white beliefs. But, but yes, I, I think that expecting roadblocks. So you've created this, you've journaled out, you've created this vision, you've laid out a very simple plan for how you want to start working towards this goal. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get real honest with yourself about the roadblocks that either may be real mm-hmm. or that you might default to using as an excuse, mm-hmm. right? That, that based on your past patterns, because nobody knows us better than we do, right? right? Right. Based on my past patterns, if I'm tired, I probably won't want to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. So how do you, you know, then the next step after you've kind of gotten clear on these potential roadblocks then we get to be strategic because we were so smart. We got in front of some of these. Obviously, we can't, you know, think of everything, but there are lots that we can. And so, um, yeah. I personally, you know, think that setting some standards for ourselves, having some affirmations that are very simple. So, when you say affirmations, what yes. do you mean? So. I consider things like, like the one that is the most impactful in my life is I take impeccable care of myself. Mm. That is a standard and an affirmation that I tell myself every day. And so that really guides my choices. Mm-hmm. If I, maybe I'm tempted by something that I know doesn't serve me, or I'm tempted to not go to the gym or something, or maybe I'm tempted to go to the gym and I know that I'm too tired. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. I check in with myself. How does this align with the standard that I've set for myself? Mm. So, kind of maybe yep. attaching it to your values. Yes. Okay. Is that another way? I mean, that's another way of doing it. Is really. It's just little that. catchphrases. Yeah. That yes. Yeah. It's like a little fishing line to yeah. that. You know. To those bigger values and maybe your bigger why yes. and the things you care about. Yes. It is part of your value system to take care of yourself. Yes, that makes sense. Exactly, and and one of the things that you so rightfully pointed out, and again, this will be in another podcast, is that maybe you don't even believe at a deep level that you're worthy of taking impeccable care of yourself. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I was like, this body's gross and disgusting. The only thing this thing is worthy of is getting starved and overexercised, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And. So I didn't really believe that. It took time. Yeah. It really took time. And, you know, there are still moments where, again, but it's it's such a nourishing statement to myself that it almost is like a loving hug from like a family member mm. to remind me that, you know what, 
you're not going to go to the gym and punish your body. You're sore or mm-hmm. injured. Right. That's not taking impeccable care That's of yourself. not, right? No. Well, and maybe the, the narrative of like you needing to not like to be so hard on your body or like hard on yourself about everything was really not your own. It was something else kind of that was brought into your life mm-hmm. based on those other beliefs. But what it sounds like is even when you didn't believe you were worthy, there was a part of you that was like, it's part of my values to take mm-hmm. care of myself. Right. Because I think sometimes that helps us jump that gap when we're yes. like, okay, I don't really believe I'm worthy of that yet, or I don't believe in this fully, mm-hmm. but I want to be in this space because I believe that people deserve to be treated well, or I believe, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of helping them make that that kind of connection. I, and I think I think that is required in the beginning sometimes. So many of the people I know you and I both work with, they have to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit yeah. and let us sort of carry them. Like, I'm going to believe in you until you start Enough in to yourself, start, right? Yep. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep reminding you. And so, you know, some of these kind of standards or affirmations say, again, we're kind of going back to this running a 5K analogy. Mm-hmm. Maybe you say something to yourself. These are just examples that I eat real food first when I'm hungry mm-hmm. or I exercise on the days and times that I've decided, even if I have to modify that workout, you mm-hmm. know, if I'm tired or injured, maybe I just go to the gym and stretch, mm-hmm. but I, I follow Still through. set that time. Right. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of setting that boundary for myself. Um, or I don't consistently let other people's priorities overshadow my own. And why do these matter? Because they really help us not rely on willpower right. all the time. We're not having to make that decision fatigue that, you know, yeah, maybe you had a plan for your exercise days, but you're relying on whether you're going to feel like it or not. Right. Well, come on. (laughs) If I only went to the gym when I was super fired up to go to the gym, I don't know when I would have gone to the gym because Mm. I can always think of something else that I could be doing or should be doing, right? But that's where I take it out of that decision. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I go and tank myself? No, Mm-mm. but I go. I'm in that habit, and it's so liberating to me to carve out that time to know I don't have to make the decision. Same thing with the, you know, for me, I don't eat when I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. And that's not a restrictive choice. Right. That feels really good. That feels like a healthy standard and a nurse like a, a comforting loving standard right because I think in the past when I did when I did eat when I wasn't hungry it's because I was subsuming my emotions right right it wasn't from a oh this is so fun though to eat when you're not hungry right well and that's I mean I mean I work with eating disorders so my brain's always just like for sure and that's if you're in a healthy place with where your hunger cues are and what that means and all of that but I know that good in your point. journey that that's that was point. how it was for you and like having to respect and honor your your hunger cues. And I think a lot of people can relate to that more than maybe the eating disorder population. But I just wanted to put the plug out there in case any of my clients ever listen to this to be like, this doesn't mean that you get to say, hey, I'm not hungry, so I don't eat. Just turn it out there. That's huge. I'm glad that you pointed that out. For most people, that is important that they do honor that because I do think that for a lot of people, that is their inclination is that they're going to continue eating even after they're full. Right. And the and flip so. side of that, you know, to your point is that I do, and this is what I do, I do eat if I am hungry. Yeah. I no longer take pride in 
powering through genuine hunger genuine and hunger. need for fuel. Yes. I used to feel so strong and yes. euphoric, you know, which is sort of, you know, on that path towards an eating disorder, yeah. you know, and I don't do that to myself. And in that process, having kind of both of those standards and affirmations, that's how I create trust. Yes. And I'm back on my team with my body. My body knows that I can be a little bit hungry because it knows I'm going to fuel it. You're going to fuel it. You're I'm, going to take it. Care doesn't of it doesn't have to panic at the mm-hmm. first sign of hunger. Right. Because it's confident that uh, you're probably going to survive 20 minutes. It's just not a thing. And it used to be a thing. It used to be, oh my gosh, that first pang of hunger, it's like an emergency. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, it, it really felt that way and, and led to, you know, not great. Choices. So, um, so what's the next step, Jenny? So the next step is really part of this too. I mean, this sounds really cliche, but learning to enjoy the journey. Um, and we we were talking what, what we were talking about towards the end. What we want to make sure that you guys do is if you are starting to go down this journey and you laid out a goal and you're finding that you absolutely dread it, Mm. then you might want to consider that there's three different things that are probably going on. The first thing would be that either A, this may not be a goal that you're excited enough about, or maybe it's against counter to one of your values internally. Um, So that's just something to consider. B, that you're going too fast. We see that a lot too in a lot of my clients. And when they've tried to go down different paths, they want to go 100 miles per hour. So that might be and a marathon example that you... Yes. Yeah. Going, or like a marathon in two months. Like, right. I mean, that's, I literally heard goals okay. like that, okay. that I'm like, are you... What? That right. would be that would be tough for somebody who's already you'd have running. To subs- and not only would you tank your health, but you'd have to subsume your whole life. Your whole life. You'd have to right. change all the things. Yeah. Um, and or we find that this is probably the most common one that we see. So we want to make sure that we really emphasize this. But num- or number three, that you haven't practiced long enough to really get over the anxiety piece of following through on what you told yourself you would do. And also that you're just not comfortable with that change yet. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety that can come from making changes, even the great ones that we want to make in our lives. Isn't that funny? It's kind it's of interesting. It's kind of funny. It's, it's kind of really funny how we are. It's really an interesting thing. I, yeah. I think there is as, as much fear of success sometimes as there is failure. Oh, yeah. We know what failure looks like. Yes. We've probably it's done comfortable. that one a lot of yeah. times. But the idea that we could actually achieve something in our life, that we have more power over our life than we realize, that kind of feels like you're kind of out there. Yeah. That can feel intimidating because then it sort of puts that onus of responsibility on us that, well, if I can do this, then... What else can I do? What else can I do? Which is an awesome thing. It is awesome. But if you're not practiced in this... At first, it can create friction. Right. And what, to your point that you said earlier, a big piece of this, maybe not enjoying the journey, is that you're not used to either setting or enforcing healthy boundary, boundaries, which mm-hmm. is... Which creates a lot of anxiety for people, especially if you're caught up in believing that your worth is based on you know, making other people happy or you're kind of a people pleaser. You're going to be especially anxious if you're trying to accomplish a goal that may be inconvenient to others in your life. 
And so just to kind of take note of that. And again, we might talk it, about it that. It might not even be inconvenient, but it's not their favorite way. It's not their favorite. I mean, I just think of myself <laughs> as a mom. Yeah. You know, some of the time out I've taken for myself, it really doesn't detract from their needs. But I also wasn't there to get them a glass of water or, I mean, seriously, it's just, or give them the ride at the exact (laughs) moment that they wanted it. Right. I mean, it's just, but I'll tell you, it's so important for Mm. us to start doing this for ourselves now, Jenny, because, I mean, spending years and decades of your life living for other people and like to the point that you just made getting our only kind of satisfaction and validation is what we get from pleasing other people. That is not a recipe for a life that we are going to look back on and feel a real deep sense of satisfaction. Right. And if you're a people pleaser, I think sometimes it's helpful to frame it in the way that you're not actually helping people by doing that. You're actually right. showing them just how to do the same thing and not really Ooh, live their yeah. most I empowered lives. That one. And I, I hate to be so blunt, but I feel like it's important no, it's so because, true. yeah, as a as a previous people pleaser, I can definitely vouch for for saying that I thought that that was the most helpful thing, and you know that it was mm-hmm. okay to be putting myself on the back burner because it was me, and that had to do with my own self worth issues and whatever. Sure. But I think it was powerful for me to realize that you know, that I wasn't helping people yeah. at the end of the day. So I, I think that the next step really is just knowing that all of this, just like anything else we talk about is going to take practice. Yeah. Like, are you going to nail this every single time? Like I had this plan and then this day I didn't go to the gym. Does that mean that you throw out the plan, right? That you totally drift back to how you used to be. Oh, I guess I'm a failure after all. I can't, Right. No, I mean, this is where we have to be that scientist right? in our life and yep. to have grace. To have and grace. And to say anything worth getting good at, this is a skill right? that's transferable to manifesting change in anywhere else in your life. And so just like if you were learning to play a violin or learn Spanish, yeah, you're not going to be fluent out of the gate or be, you know. Yeah, playing in the symphony right out of the gate. So, you know, successful CEOs, they have a plan, they have a vision, but they also have flexibility to iterate. Yep. To get creative. To let people have a sick day. Yep. Yep. Right. To get creative. Yes. And, and, you know, it's just so important to understand that taking action, however small, is so key to building confidence in ourselves to building integrity, that trusting relationship with ourselves that is broken in so many of us. I know mm. it's true for myself. So really what we're doing, it almost doesn't matter what this first goal is that you pick, as long as it's small enough that it doesn't feel overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it does, like you said, align with your values. Mm-hmm. But to understand that you are using this as a catalyst to building a template for change. You're literally creating a standard operating procedure for your own life, right? I'm I'm, sorry. I'm just laughing a little bit because that just sounded super nerdy, but yes. But it is. I mean, you wouldn't be (laughs) someone who, like, like say, for example, um, you did work at a company, right? Mm -hmm. You have a kind of guidelines for, based on how things have happened, say customer service Mm -hmm. complaints that have come in. You don't reinvent the wheel every time those come in. You kind of have some guidelines based on 
past experiences, right? you know? So, you know, one of the things you talk about all the time is that self-awareness and reflecting instead of judging. Yep. We have to learn, you know, why we do what we do without shaming ourselves because where does shame lead? To isolation, to lacking empathy. Inertia. To depression, to addiction. Coping. Coping by numbing. Yes. 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 All of those things. So curiosity, not judgment. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Understanding all of this is going to be a practice. And once you learn some of these skills, then you can start looking at other areas of your life and seeing, oh, gosh, if I can manifest change in that area of my life that I didn't think I could. Yeah. Where else can I manifest change? And also, you know, get comfortable with this process of being uncomfortable. That's, oh, Jenny, that's a goldmine right there. And that's one that I still struggle with. I will be honest. All of us. I mean, I just, that anxiety of not knowing even what success will look like, Mm -hmm. right? I know what not following through on my goals looks like. I'm pretty comfortable with, not comfortable, but I I recognize that. It's familiar. But yeah. following through and really building something of my own creation, wow, that's different. And mm-hmm. our brain is really kind of uncomfortable with different. It is. But it's awesome different. Yes. So and that's what we have to get clear on. Like you yes. said, you know, like understanding the difference between anxiety from not facing your stuff, mm-hmm. like... You that, know? Or that discomfort, that anxiety or discomfort from not facing your stuff versus, you know, it being about something else or something deeper. But I think a lot of us, it's, it's more about that discomfort. Like yes. we're just, or we have anxiety with discomfort. I, <laughs> not to I, get too complicated, no, but, but we're I, just really, that freaks us no, out to be uncomfortable. We want to medicate and make the discomfort go away. Check right. the Facebook, have the snack. Right. Do, right. Like that is kind of how we're conditioned. But one of the things that I have really found, again, with myself and with my clients, so this is me as a chronic procrastinator for many years. I no longer am, but I was. But what I've found is, and this is not going to be an epiphany for most of you, is that doing the work is so much easier than not doing the work. Yes. It's like when you kind of freak yourself out in your head that something's going to be really hard or you're about to take a test or you're kind of over Or that I just don't want anxious. to do it. That I just don't want to do it. How much energy <laughs> trying, do I I'm put into- I'm trying to make a relatable t- like, tagline. But yeah, yeah, like I mean, I think we can just really- we spend so much energy and anxiety and mm-hmm. how we think how hard it's going to be yeah. or how impossible that the actual work is way less hard yeah. than what we it's chalk it up to be in our minds. It's like yeah. a fraction as hard. Yep. And it's, you know, so that has been, I, but I literally have to remind myself of that every time when yep. something else comes up, like a new technology thing in our business that I have to figure out. I will want to put that off, but then I remind myself, okay, based on past experiences, this is not going to be as hard to figure out as I think it will, and I'm going to feel really good having figured it out. Yes. Versus I could go spend, you know, days <laughs> having the guilt and shame monster niggling at the back of my mind. And the same right. is true for all of us. When we set out, you know, an area that we want to optimize in our life, but we're not doing it. There is so much friction and tension created there that is poisonous yes. because it undermines our trust yes. in ourself. And it doesn't make us show up in our relationships very well. You know, you just, it just doesn't, 
add to the quality of our life when we're not. So, so I think that's really an important distinction is to get comfortable with some friction of following through and doing the slightly harder thing Mm -hmm. versus the friction and tension from not doing the thing. Yes. That's a good point because you're right. We can be very comfortable with the anxiety that we have about things. Right. Exactly. It's familiar. But the unfamiliar seems to be where we struggle to be comfortable, or at least not comfortable, but to be okay yeah. with that anxiety yep. and discomfort. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. So so we're going to wrap it up there. Um, we will have detailed show notes that lay out this strategy if you want to go and take a look and you know just see if this resonates. But we will break down some of these areas, especially the roadblocks, mm-hmm. the kind of tactical roadblocks and the ones, you know, in our heads in our next podcast, because, you know, that's, that's a huge piece of it. But we really just wanted to introduce this as an idea for those of you that maybe hadn't considered that you might be acting more like an employee than a CEO in your life. And how to, how to take back that power in your life. Yes. Yes. All right. Love it. Well, we look forward to talking we're le- with We're you. leaving you with lots to think about. Yep. <laughs> so, so, but we will tune back in and break some of this down. Sounds good. All right. All Take right. care, everybody.